Here at Mountain Dew, we'd like to remind you, you gotta know what's important and what's not important. Knowing how to tie a tie, not important. Keeping a diary, not important. Trying all the different bold flavors of Mountain Dew, important. Experience the boldest flavors on earth. Do the Dew. Great news. For a limited time, you can get one month free of Spectrum Mobile service. That's right, one month free with any new line. This exclusive offer is only available at select Spectrum stores. So stop by today. Our team of mobile experts are ready to help you switch and save hundreds on your mobile bill. Don't miss out on this incredible offer. Come see us at Market at Hilliard, Taylor Square, and Waterloo Crossing. Spectrum Internet and auto pay required. Restrictions apply. Visit store for details. Hi, thanks for tuning in to episode 16 of the Michiana People podcast. In this episode, I talked to Kevin Joyner and Abby King from the Ember Jar. Now, I knew this was going to be a good interview because they came out to the house and I asked them if they wanted a beverage. I told them I had Diet Pepsi and some other soda, water, beer and wine, and they both uh, said wine was a good idea and it turned out to be a great idea. This was probably one of the most relaxed conversations I've had and probably the most in-depth where uh, we really got to know about the artist. And if I say so myself, I think my interviewing skills are starting to get a little bit better. And I think that Kevin and Abby are naturals at being interviewed, so it just turned out to be a great experience. The other nice thing about this one is, is they played a song, and uh, that'll be at the end of this podcast, and you can find out what song it is at that time. I am trying to build my Twitter following. Uh, I've actually got some people who started listening to the podcast uh, through Twitter, and I've been pretty lax on keeping my Twitter up to date and posting on there, so I'm going to try to do that a little bit more. And if you are uh, following me and maybe do a few retweets and things like that, maybe we can get the audience to grow and also get some more cool guests. So if you go to Twitter, just search for Michiana People and I should come up. I think I've got like 53 or 54 followers right now. And uh, I'd like to get that up to at least 100 uh, sometime soon. We've also got some uh, great interviews coming up. I talked to Jeff Harrison, who uh, reopened Vegetable Buddies in South Bend. Uh, Vegetable Buddies was a big Vegetable Buddies was a big club in the 70s, and he's actually opened in the same spot where it was in the 70s, and has a, an amazing place opened up and uh, one of the best sound systems I've seen in this area. So I can't wait to see some bands there. Also talked to Aaron Sandock. Uh, who is a local artist, and you can find his art at AaronSandock.com. And had another one of one of my uh, favorite conversations with him. Also talked to Grant Carlisle, who is with uh, Michiana First, which is the area brings all the area robotics uh, competitions together. He also started to run for Phil which is short for Run, run for Philanthropy, uh, a way for you to uh, do a running event and uh, get all the money together for your charity. So great things coming up. Uh, I've got some more interviews scheduled, so we're not losing steam at all. By the time you listen to this, my daughter will be married right now as I'm recording this. It's Wednesday, so we've got 
tonight and two more days before the wedding and it's uh, a little a little tense some things didn't come together quite the way we planned but we're getting it all going and I am trying to keep every everything together and in just about 10 minutes I'll be leaving to pick up my future son-in-law from the airport so we'll all at least be where we're supposed to be I do have sponsors. Whether you're a home computer user or have a large network for your business, you just want the stuff to work. Can you answer these questions? How much data would I lose if my computer or server crashed? Is my data truly secure? Is my network keeping up with my computer users? If not, don't worry. Mapletronics can help. They can help you answer the questions and also fix the issues that come up after we found what we found. Uh, go to mapletronics.com forward slash Michiana people for a free gift, absolutely free, and then explore the website to see what Mapletronics can do for you. Do you have a marketing plan? Do you even know where to start? Does social media make your head spin? Vala Marketing can help you with a marketing strategy from logo to website to social media presence. Check out volamarketing.com forward slash Michiana people for a really funny uh, free gift. It's a coloring book featuring me and some of my guests from, from the podcast. Uh, Vala is a real big asset to the podcast and they can be a big help in developing your market strategy. Oh yeah, get your name in the Hall of Fame while you're there. Thanks, and here comes episode 16 with Kevin and Abby from the Ember Jar. I think you're going to like it. Welcome folks to the Michiana People Podcast. My guests today are from the great local band, The Ember Jar. The Ember Jar is an indie rock band with a very soulful sound that I really enjoy. Welcome to the show, Kevin Scott Joyner and Abby King. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very so much. I started pursuing you guys pretty quick after I started the podcast, and I was relentless, and now you're finally sitting in my living room. So. <laughs> we're here. We're here. So. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate it. I One of the things I wanted to address, I've been listening to your music for longer than I've done the podcast, mm-hmm. but one of the things I wanted to address, you've got a, a, a genre listed on your Facebook page called Jangle Pop. Mm-hmm. And I think that is so fitting for what you guys do. And I know everybody's inventing genres all the time, mm-hmm. but uh, how, how is that something you guys came up with, or is that actually a, a sort subgenre? Of, sort of. It's. It's. I mean, jangle rock has been around since. Um, it, it was a way to describe this sort of very, very chorusy, very bright, very compressed, very arpeggiated guitar uh-huh. sound that um, the Birds did. And okay. The, and the term comes from. Hey, Mr. Tambourine Man! Yeah. In that jingle jangle morning, uh-huh. that, that term jangle, that right. Bob Dylan lyric that that you know the birds made uh-huh. even more famous. Okay. Um, uh, that was applied to that as, yeah. as jangle rock or jangle pop, and you know that that style uh, continued. You know, it, go, it goes through phases. Um, probably the biggest phase for that would have been the mid to late '80s when you had bands like The Cure, The Smiths. When you hear uh-huh. those. The Cure, and they've got those like those stacked arpeggios going, yep. you know. I'm like, uh, um, it's Friday, I'm in love, yeah. you know, and and uh, well, a lot of their songs have that, you know, that that sort of sort of um, bright, floating, right, melodic line on the guitar going uh-huh. on. And I've always loved that stuff, that, yeah. that interplay between between the instruments and the voices and the, mm. way, the way these counter melodies kind of kind of dance and just right. that brightness and it, it it has a way of like you can do something that's that's lyrically dark uh-huh. and still match it with that yeah. thing and it can be very 
it can be very interesting. Right. Um, uh, the, the juxtaposition on that. Well, I think Matthew Sweet did that a little. Oh bit. yeah, I, Matthew I, Sweet. I, well, yeah, I'm a huge Matthew Sweet fan, and uh, the his work with Robert Quine was just oh yeah, just just excellent. Oh yeah, and, oh yeah. And, but well, he yeah, he was definitely. I mean, I mean, pulling from the '60s. Um, uh, I mean, still, but 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 especially when he first came yeah came out. Um, and then uh, you know, even if it, you look at like. Some some of uh, U2's earlier stuff, uh-huh. um, they, yeah. they have some of that sound going on, and then you heard it again. There was a, there was uh, sort of this, you know, what they call alternative or whatever. Um, you know, college rock became alternative right. uh, in the '90s. Um, bands like uh, the Cranberries and the Sundays uh-huh. and stuff like that, yeah. which um, uh, that you know, obviously female led bands. That's that's been somewhat of an influence on us with right with Abby. So yeah, yeah since I'm a chick. Yeah. <laughs> no, but but I mean, you know, you you, you there are certain tones that, yes. that you hear uh-huh. um and you know, you 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 gravitate toward things that 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 you know, vocally that That would be in my range and Right. Yeah. You have to do you have to do that. And yeah. so you look for those those examples and then you really get into you uh-huh. know, you're like, you know, the more you explore explore this kind of music that's really interesting you you know you you explore mm-hmm. all these different things and, and then those things end up becoming becoming influences um mm-hmm. but uh but what's interesting is like you know I've, I've got a pretty varied background um i grew up on country music and um uh 50s rock and roll through, mm-hmm. through my dad who's a, a a country guitarist and singer okay and did it i mean pretty professionally like like semi-professionally for a while but but was doing really well he was in um England, uh, when I was born, he was in the Air Force, okay. uh, American Air Force, so my family was stationed over there, and he was playing in a band in England called Jim West and the Texans, and he was the only American. Oh, okay. <laughs> but the uh, the singer actually got a six-album deal with, um, it was it was one of the, either one of the majors or one of the subsidiaries over there, you know, um, it, you know, when it, when it crosses uh-huh. the ocean, you know, things right. get, get right. interesting with the way that all the corporations and everything work, but... Uh, he ended up getting uh, a brain tumor and oh. passed away. And my dad was like ready to, to um, you know, get his early retirement. And, uh-huh. and you know they they did a little mini, but but the guy ended up dying. My dad stayed stayed in the Air Force um, for another I don't know uh, ten fifteen years something mm-hmm. like that. But anyway, so so I grew up on that stuff. And then getting older, I got, I got into um, uh, Michael Jackson was probably my first first big push into kind of my own seeking my own music out right thriller and and stuff like that that's a pretty big jump well it is is. (laughs) but but before that i would i would sneak into my um when my when my oldest sister was away was was at school this was back in the states Mm -hmm. um when my my older sister was was in high school and she was school for the day i'd get off early uh you know i was in elementary school and i'd sneak into her room and i'd throw on her bob seger albums oh her sticks albums and her fleetwood mac albums yeah you know stuff I probably should have been listening to 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 a degree. Uh-huh. You know, but uh, um, but I, I was sneaking and listening to that, and so that was my you know my first exploration out of that. And then I got into skate punk when I was a you know a skate rat back in the day. Uh-huh. And then I got into U two in high school, and then it just grew from there. And I got into prog rock, and especially as my you know I started playing guitar and, and started started doing my own thing. Uh-huh. Um, and I liked all the the alternative and the and the jangle stuff and everything. But it took Abby. To really like, <laughs> you know, the Ember Jar is lo- as far as our sound and how it's developed is largely her 
influence mm-hmm. more more so mm-hmm. than mine. Right. Yeah. Um, and I don't I don't really know how I ended up getting drawn to all of that stuff um, because when we first started playing music together, I was I was really into soul and R and B and and that kind of like soulful singer songwriter sound because that was. Um, that's a lot of what I was listening to at the time, and when I first started playing my own music and writing my own songs, those were really um, heavy influences on me. And then just as we grew as a band and we started doing more covers and we wanted to just kind of expand our repertoire, so we started listening to a lot more U2 and The Cure and all this stuff, and I was like, oh, oh man, yeah. you know? And, and at first I was putting a really soulful spin on these things when we would cover them, and then I just kind of kept getting drawn more and more back to just like the purity of the original way that the song was performed still doing it my own style but not putting such a heavy bent on it Uh you know not as many runs yeah yeah yeah, exactly Uh like it it just it i fell into a place that was really comfortable yeah with that style of music and then i started to write in that style as well and Mm -hmm. it just kind of uh from there well i do i i hear the soul on every song that you sing and it's kind of a soul folk uh type Mm -hmm. type collision and that's what's really cool (laughs) yeah that's the funny thing is like i can't get away from the twang Mm -hmm. um (laughs) unless i like really deliberately like (laughs) Uh like do it. it it if you know when i play guitar live um you know most of the time we're we're working within a structure but but even then i'm i'm um i do things a little bit differently every time time we play Uh different accents um either on the rhythm or the or the lead or or whatever um sometimes i'll i'll look over at abby and then vinnie vinnie carrasco our drummer i'll I'll look at them and like and like go to the bridge you know Uh i'll just have this idea to extend and i'll do i'll like do that again and she looks at me with these wide eyes but she never misses it she's Uh she's on it she's like what are you doing okay Um, but but um, yeah, you know, I pretend like I hate the curveballs, but I love them. Yeah, They're and then fun. and then sometimes I'll you know, but to get back to my point, you know, sometimes I'll I'll we'll, we'll really like take things some places, um, uh-huh. uh, you know, just depending on the on the feel for the night and and everything. But there's always a little bit of that twang in it, right. and and so um, so those folk elements, uh-huh. I think. Are just you know they just the the blues and the country right um, and you know I played in an Irish band I mean all all those all those more um, I guess rural simplified you know mm-hmm. um, surprisingly complex but complex right. in a different way elements come out in in the guitar and and I mean even in my accent from time to time I was was raised in the South after yeah. all but um, <laughs> but uh, I think I think it's good though because because it there there's you know, Jangle is really, I mean, you look at the, the guys that play with the birds and then, you know, um, you know, there's Buffalo Springfield and, and, mm-hmm. and, you know, there were some connections to like Graham Parsons and all that, you right. know, that stuff with all those cats and the, and the, you know, um, the, the, the sort of Southwest, you know, cosmic cowboy sort of, sort of sound. And mm-hmm. so Jangle Rock ultimately is an extension of Americana. Right. And I, I think that bands like, um, like you two in particular, um, but even like the Smiths and stuff would be would be the first to right. admit that, right. you know. And so, even though what we're playing is def- definitely you know um, big and spacious and, and and a rock format, there there is that el- that Americana underneath. That right. We, right. We um, are not only happy as there, but but we 
try to uh, right. emphasize from time right. to time. So. And I think that's what really, after listening to your music for quite a while, that's what is really unique because you've got... It, you're one of those bands that it's hard to pin to a genre, and I, I always like that. Yeah. Uh, I always like that when I hear a curse. band. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's a little bit harder to develop develop a fan base when mm-hmm. you're not uh, yeah. when you're not pinned to a particular genre. Sure. And and as a writer, you know, we we we're both like, you know, we tend to be very much right where the inspiration strikes, and you know, and we do plenty of writing through that, but. When you do that, you you don't necessarily have the right songs for an album. Right. You have to you have to like go back to your repertoire and it's like, what else can we add to this? Or uh-huh. you have to deliberately write something in the right. genre. But once you do lock down, you know, it's not necessarily a style but an approach. Uh-huh. Once you lock that in, you're able to write in that approach and come up with something that, while it may not be exactly identical to this sound, song, if you put that and this song on the album and then put this song in the middle uh-huh. you see the you see the continuance right, and it right. all t- kind of ties together and I think that's where we're um, where we are writing wise yeah, right now all of our songs are like branches on the same tree uh-huh. you know <laughs> instead of being like an oak tree with like a fir tree over yeah. there you, know? <laughs> you have to kill a few orchards to yeah. figure out what yeah. kind of fruit right, you want right. So. so this is this is kind of on subject and kind of off subject. Uh, when you talk about twang, have you listened to John Doe's new album, The Westerner? Mm-hmm. No. Okay, it's it, it totally blew me away. Um, I ended up I drive a lot for work, and I ended up I think I listened to it uh, all the way through three times in one day. Wow. I'm going between that and Bob Mold's new album, okay. <laughs> which is totally different stuff. Yeah. But John Doe, you know, was an ex, and and he uh, he's been with the Sadies and and his his is definitely a twangy California style rock and and the new album is just fabulous. Oh, cool. I have to check it out. Always looking for new stuff. Right. Lately I've been uh um as as has everybody been uh um you know drooling over the new Radiohead. Oh yeah. Stuff. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh Burn the Witch came out which was which was amazing uh as a first single especially with the the really cool uh, Wicker Man video thing, uh-huh. you know the 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 driving string part that was going on, and then and then their their typical, you know they they take this there's like this vocoder bass thing that runs underneath that sounds would sound cheesy with anybody else, and mm. yet they yeah. managed to make it sound compelling yeah. uh, underneath that. Jake Borowski from Starheart and I were were uh, talking about oh, wait no I'm sorry. Jake and I were talking about Radiohead at one point, but the, this conversation was with Matt Teeters um, uh, from Phineas Gage, and we were we were talking about how in uh, Paranoid Android in the third movement of that song, they bring in a like the synth chorus sound, uh-huh. like, like the yeah. you know the right. stuff you usually hear on like a little Casio keyboard, yeah. those fake fake Oz, right. <laughs> but then they mix Tom's voice over top of it, and somehow it it just becomes this dark unsettling sound right. instead of this this cheesy what were they thinking and they right. do that again they did it with the with uh um in air uh in airbag with the uh they're they're literally like je- like like horse horse uh-huh. bells like, yeah like reindeer bells <laughs> like what yeah. you hear at christmas they've got right. those jingling uh-huh. and they even said like in the studio we're like i don't know if Dude, are we doing this? It's like, uh-huh. yes, we did. And they're like, oh, that sounds great. <laughs> and you got to love that. you got to love that kind of experimentation. Right. And then and then Daydreaming, uh, the next one that came out was just like... Right. So I'm, yeah, hopefully getting 
getting uh, that from that album for my birthday. It's funny. <laughs> Abby's nodding. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. yeah. Yeah. That's that's my wish list. So so. Um, but uh, but yeah. Just um, uh, I've always liked their stuff, but some about this new these new couple of songs. Mm. It there's um, they're very experimental, but experimental. But this is like a strange return to form while still being really compelling and right. new. And you just you have to respect that. Right. It's, mm-hmm. it's pretty cool. So, Abby, you're one of those singers uh, that I compare to all the singers on the singing competitions uh, that, <laughs> that I refuse to watch. Because uh, <laughs> everybody, it's water cooler stuff, and everybody at work's talking about it. And I'm like, you know, there's a lot of local people who are so much better. Uh-huh. And, and uh, so, obviously, your vocals are very polished thank you when did you start singing i've been singing pretty much since i could talk that's my okay. standard, my standard answer i come from a very musical family okay everyone sings at least uh well enough to keep a tune most most people in my family sing pretty well uh-huh. that makes me um, jealous <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was at one of those families where like on you know family road trips we would all be in the car singing in five-part harmony uh-huh. even when oh, i was a little man. kid yeah you know? So just learned to hold down my own part really early. And my sister went to IU Bloomington. She went to the Jacobs School. Like okay. Before it was called the Jacobs School, I think it was just called the IU School of Music or something right. like that right. back in the day. And she, so that was her major. And so um, I learned like a lot of proper singing techniques from her uh-huh. pretty early on. Um, and then was in choirs and stuff like that throughout uh, elementary school and high school. And it wasn't actually until the year that I or the week that I met Kevin that I ever like ventured out and sang by myself in public uh-huh. <laughs> you know like outside of the context of a group right sort of a thing right. and, and definitely the first time I'd ever done anything original um but yeah I was just in this place where I had just come out of this pretty awful breakup and needed an emotional outlet Mm -hmm. (laughs) and so I had a couple friends who played ukulele and they were like hey you know you've got some musical talent you should just like pick up the ukulele and see how it feels to you Uh because it's not a hard instrument to play right you know it's it's pretty straightforward and simple and so I did I went and bought one and I didn't know anything about it and I just taught myself a couple of chords looking on the internet at chord charts Mm -hmm. and figured out a few on my own just from my ear and right learned like six chords and wrote one song and went to an open mic that Kevin was running and that's where we met um and I didn't even know how open mics were supposed to work I didn't know you're supposed to prepare more than one song okay because <laughs> I'd never done anything like right. that so I just showed up and I played my one song and he's like you done and I was like, <laughs> was more like that's it that's it yeah <laughs> that's a that's a, that's a sounded you done? No. It wasn't like no. I and everybody else in the place was just like jaws wide. We're like, where did that come yeah, from? Yeah, and of course I'm sitting here like, I just poured my heart out for you. This is all I have. Yeah, more. So yeah, yeah. So, well, yeah, so then I did write more and kept coming back all the following weeks and yeah. Then eventually. Yeah, but I had terrible stage fright then too. I, uh-huh. I was so nervous. I mean, I used to when I back when I went to church. I don't go anymore, but I grew up Catholic, and I I would canter in church sometimes for like school masses uh-huh. and stuff. And I, I when I would get up to the the podium to do my song, 
people who were sitting all the way in the back of the church would say, Abby, you sounded great, but we could see you shaking because we could like, we could tell how nervous you were. And that's, I mean, that's how it was for me the first few times I performed by myself, um, at the open mic and stuff, but you get used to it after a while. Yeah. It's it's not, it's not, I don't think anybody noticed you shaking. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I was. (laughs) Trust me. I was so nervous. Impressed with the song. So, right. I understand the stage fright because I just uh, I've I do public speaking for my job, so I'll we'll do seminars and things like that. But uh, a guy from work who organizes our yearly company party came to me a few months ago and said we'd like for you to do comedy for the for the company party, and I'm kind of the jokey guy at work, so they thought I'd be perfect to be a comedian, and I said no. And he came back a month later and said, we really want you to do it. And I said, no. And <laughs> then he comes back a couple of weeks later and he says, we're going to pay you. And the thought, and I, I don't care if they gave me a quarter, but the thought mm-hmm. that I could introduce myself as a professional comedian because mm-hmm. I got paid for it was really cool. Yeah. So I came home and I told my wife, I said, I think I'm going to do it. So I put, I put my act together and... I put together a roast of all of our executives and all that kind of stuff. And I didn't do any open mics or anything to practice. So I was basically just practicing to a mirror and going over bits with my wife. And I had absolutely no nerves until the day of the party. And I woke up and my wife said that my eyes were like saucers. And she had never seen me. That We've been together like 35 years and she'd never seen me that nervous. Mm-hmm. And I, it was kind of a cold day because it was, uh, I think it was February. And we do a lot of hiking in Michigan. And so I got up and I said, we got to go hiking. So we, we hike at Grand Mirror. And so we went and did like three or four miles at Grand Mirror. And that calmed me down a little bit. Yeah, and I had a few beers before I went up. And also good I idea. survived. But <laughs> you talk about and, and the whole thing is I have no trouble talking to strangers. But mm-hmm. I knew all these people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and I had to go back to work Monday. Yeah. <laughs> and and, and, and see him but i think it went over okay and mm-hmm. that kind of gave me the bug part of my midlife crisis so i may do smoking mics and stuff Ooh, like that so that's but that's 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 really really fun um so going through the music uh that you you've put together so far it looks like you've got a pretty large collection of songs put together that that are recorded do you have any uh new music coming out like an album or anything we do we we were going to release a single back in april and last year okay of well no no, we were gonna april this year april Uh this year but we were gonna do it even before then yeah but anyway anyway yeah so we we were set to release it and and I don't want to go into details, but but <laughs> needless to say, we had a catastrophic um, equipment software, software oh, no. meltdown, and it not only killed the project file, which I had put so much work in, oh. and I'm, I mean that we were like literally doing the ready final the next save. this final save, ready to take take it into the studio the next day for mastering, uh, and awful. and it it not only corrupted that file, but it, it somehow managed to corrupt the source files. Um, some of which we had saved, but some of which we didn't. Wow. And, and uh, I like went online, and I'm like, "Is there any way to do do that?" I mean, it was foolish of me not to not to have a, a more secure 
back up, but you don't expect it to ju- suddenly jump into, you know. Right. It was, it was weird what it did, but but I looked online, and they're like, yeah, if, if that happened, you're, you're basically. Oh, no. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so I had a good cry. And, uh, I cried, too. We both sat there and cried for yeah. <laughs> And then um, I think I would cry for a while. From it for a while, talked to our promoter, and I said, "This is what happened." And he's like, "These things happen." So we're hoping to release that um, uh, before the end of the month. Uh-huh. So Good. we're just trying to get get the last of that ironed out. It's com- yeah, um, it's just you know, it's a process. So yeah, it's just so hard when you, like. When you experience something like that, and you you put so much time and energy, yeah. and and love so into something, right, and then it gets destroyed, you're like, do I really want to go through all this again? It's I almost know. harder. And, and no matter yeah. how, no matter how good you do it the next time, yeah, it can be just as good, but you're yeah. never going to proceed. You're going to be yeah, like, right, be like, it's just not. Yeah, it's not the same the because how how it. You remember it and how it sounded yeah. in your mind. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, because there's so, little nuances in your performance, and I still remember my vocal, what we did for the last recording. And there was this one track where I got this, like, this unexpected little crack in my voice that just that I'd never perfect. done before, and it just uh-huh. really worked. And I was like, oh, yeah. this is great. And I, I don't know if I'll ever get that back again right. because yeah. it wasn't something I could control. Yeah. You know? That's just devastating. You know, and there's the emotional. There's and it's a really good song. Uh, uh, that it's one that that Abby wrote. Like it's you know it's a good good solid, um, solid uh, uh, song that's nice and big and, um, you know, kind of anthemic. Mm-hmm. Um, so we you know we want to finish it and put it out there, um, and we'll you know, we'll we'll finish working it until yeah. it's good. But it's just it you know it's never going to be the same as. Right. As the original. But that said, we do have a number of songs um, that uh, that um, we basically got enough to do an album of the new sound. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a, a guy in Chicago. Um, I don't know if I can talk about it too much, but hmm. I'll just say that, that a guy in Chicago who's, who's um, uh, got quite a, a um, track record. In uh-huh. the music industry, um, heard us in Chicago, loved it, and wants to co-write and co-produce a couple of songs with us. Oh, good! So I think we're gonna do that, mm-hmm. um, and then and then do these others and try and do an album out of that. Great. The original idea was to do the single, um, but uh, um, you know, and then really promote that, and, and we're still going to do that. But I think that. It would just be nice to have to cap things off with a full album, so I think that's going to be the next thing. But I've got to get a few things off of my plate um, first. I've I've got uh, other projects outside of the Ember Jar, so it's just us figuring out the time and the mm-hmm. perfect. Yeah, because I to do also it. work full time, yep. and you know I don't I don't always <coughs> have a ton of extra time to devote to music as much or as energy. I would love to. Or I mean, energy, or right. energy. Yeah, yeah, that's a big part of it right. too. So, so, That's yeah. what I get from all the musicians I've talked to. Mm-hmm. Everybody is working a full time job, mm-hmm. and they're and the music is full time too. Yeah. And and I I a lot of people my age talk about work ethic, mm-hmm. and they they say that young people don't have work ethic, <laughs> and I just I it's not the same. Yeah. And I was talking, and it was really funny. I was talking to a guy and. 
Kevin, you're not in the millennial, quite quite a millennial, but you're almost. Yes. Uh, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I think I'm, you're a Gen Xer, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm at, right at the edge of baby boomer. Okay. So um, the uh, I was talking about the the negative stigma that millennials have now to uh, a new guy that we have at work, and he's a marketing guy, and he's he's probably in his thirties, and and he said it very perfectly. He said he said your generation grew up um, to get a job and make money and make a home. The millennials are more about ideas and causes, mm-hmm. and the money is much further down the list than mm-hmm. than it was for our generation mm-hmm. and they work just as hard they're just as passionate mm-hmm. they just do it a different way yeah, yeah. and yeah there's there's a there's a there's a more of a tangibility and i mean like a literal like physical tangibility mm-hmm. to a lot of the work that was done um you know it started to change in my generation um mm-hmm. you know, the the the, the dot com boom was right you know was was my generation and mm-hmm. you know i remember you know, getting my first computer when it's like not, you know, not that many people, you know, yeah, had, you know, had them. It's like oh, I was well, the same, know, yeah. And 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 you know, the first video games and all of that, and you know, and our, you know, our generation had an inkling of what these things, you know, were going to be. And I think I think our parents did too because they, you know, that's why they got them. They had it. Uh-huh. Yeah, this is going to be important, right? Um, you know, the game thing, not so much. I think that took a little longer for them to. to uh-huh. To realize, right. but but we got it. Um, right. But, um, you know, uh, not not to uh, not not to quote Bane from from uh, you know Batman, but but you know, we still the Gen Xers we largely adopted, or uh-huh. whereas now you know the millennials mm-hmm. grown, they've they've had it since day one. They've grown yep. up with it, and yep. I'm like right on that cusp where I'm straddling. Yeah. I'm old enough to remember a time before computers and all that were ubiquitous, but yeah. still. But by young the time you were I, starting to really, yeah, right. Yeah. By the time I came of age, so to speak, it was a pretty much a daily part of my yeah. life. So. Yeah, and and so it's you know you could almost say that you know. The baby boomers in, in your generation built the tools, and the millennials are determining how those tools are going to be used. Right. But they're right. still using them, mm-hmm. and it's more you know, I mean the internet, you know the elements are there, but you don't you don't you don't see them. You know mm-hmm. you see the towers and things like that, but it's not but it's not like you know the industry of of, of factories and cars and things like that. It's mm-hmm. much smaller. It's it's it it blends into everyday life. Right. But but. If you look at the at the overall stamp of of what's been done and how it's changing the world and the and the platforms that run on those things, mm-hmm. um, there's this great um, there's this great gif out there where where um, where you've got a uh, it shows a desk in like 1980 uh-huh. and then it shows a computer. I saw and that. Everything on the desk. Yeah. Um, this, you know, the, the, not the stapler, but, uh-huh. <laughs> but like, you know, the stack of papers and right. the calendar and the phone, like everything yep. goes, pulls onto the, uh, the computer as an icon. And then right. I think the computer, I can't remember anything. The computer gets smaller, maybe turns yeah. a laptop yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And that's true. And that's happened in, in, you know, uh, was that 35 years basically? Uh-huh. I, right. Um, uh, I mean a little longer than that, but that was, you know, around 1980 was when it really did. And that's, you know, that's been done by, by 
that takes a lot of work yeah. and a lot of know-how and a lot of thinking. Right. You know, um, I'm, I'm a creative by trade. I do a lot of freelance creative stuff, writing, producing, and, you know, you don't necessarily see the, the tangibles until the end right. result. But, I mean, you know, if I'm, you know, sitting around for a few hours, like if I'm working on a film and I'm watching, a, you know, a similar film and I'm dissecting it, mm-hmm. that takes a lot of work. Right. Um, you know, uh, there, there's there's a certain degree of, of planning that has to happen mm-hmm. in order to get all these things together. Right. Um, you know, right right now, you know, we're getting ready to shoot this this web series on this guy, guy that I'm working with and some guys on my team. And all of the work we have to do in pre-production, just the calls and the, the location scouting mm-hmm. and all of these things, um, just to make, you know... 13 10-minute episodes, uh-huh. which is essentially, you know, uh, uh, as long as a feature film. Right. The amount of work to do that, even at even at our level, mm-hmm. um, you know, especially at our level, in order to make it good. Right. All the, you know, we don't have a huge, you know, credits and after credits and after credits uh-huh. of people to do it. It's all of this other stuff. And I think to a large degree that the millennial generation, a lot of what they do is like that. Right. And the work is done in a way that is not as tangible um, at the outset, mm-hmm. and even and it's not as tangible physically at the end. But if you look at the way it changes the world, makes the world operate, mm-hmm. it's it's um, just as impactful, if not more so, than right. the work that's come before. Right. right. Yeah. That's it, it's 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 a different mindset, and the the thing that I get from everybody I've talked to, and, and most of the people I've talked to are are. Uh, younger than than me because most people are younger than me <laughs> but, um it, there's just passion there mm-hmm. and, and 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 it's funny because when i started this podcast i expected to maybe meet some new people and put it out there but i'm i'm making friends i mean these mm-hmm. th- these mm-hmm. people are loyal um, it's a community to a fall. It's, yeah it's absolutely and, community and i i I tell my wife, I said, I, I just tell her, I, I'm like, I can't believe I didn't do this years ago because yeah. this is just, it's such an eye-opening thing. And there's so much stuff in this community that is really positive. And, and I've said this on several episodes, but the, the thing that really got me down was the fact that we're becoming kind of a soundbite society where, uh, and it's all negative. And, and when you look at social media, you're poking at somebody's candidate, you're poking at religion, you're poking at gender issues and all this kind of stuff, no matter what side you're on, it's just people yakking at each other. I just went on a Facebook hiatus today uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and it wasn't so much like I've, I've managed to find a good balance between getting work done and, and you know being on Facebook and I use Facebook for like you know business and stuff right. like that so my messenger right. is still mm. on my phone and our pages for like our band pages and stuff are still on there but mm. but it was mainly because of the vitriol and the negativity yeah. and, and the, the way that those those things can become a distraction right. because you're, you're carrying with them as you go, you yeah, know? Yeah, they're right. really... Infl- I mean, they've done studies that... Um, I mean, I think actually Facebook did a study. I think, wasn't it unauthorized where they actually filled people's feeds with more Yeah, they manipulated content. people and I'm, they did the study. Yeah, I remember right. that, and, and that story, yeah. And people did actually 
carried that with them, and yep. they they had more Those negativity. Those doggone manipulative millennials. Yeah. I know. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, it does it does impact you, and I I noticed personally for myself, I haven't taken a full on hiatus yet, although I may at some point. <laughs> but um, when I started following pages that were more just like humor based content uh-huh. and like. Or, like, pictures of cute puppies and stuff. Right. And my mood was way better. Oh, it's 3 a.m. I need to look at Bork Bork. You are doing me a right. Yeah, it's a great page. That's yeah. Ba- was, yeah. Kittens and baby goats. Yeah. Uh, that's... That, that, that's what I that's totally what go keeps for. Me going. Yeah, yeah. That, and uh, my wife is always very good about finding those videos for me, and she puts them on her phone when we're yeah. laying in bed. And here you go. And yeah. those, but, little late, those little late night shares, we leave those. She usually goes to bed a few hours before I do. Uh, she'll wake up in the morning with a nice, funny thing on her Facebook. Mm-hmm. Usually, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or I'll, I'll share something for you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, before I go to work or something yeah. in the morning, you'll yep, see yep. it anyway. Yeah. But one of one of my guests that I had on the podcast, uh, uh, Miles Robertson, was talking about oh, Miles, the, yeah, yeah, Miles. yeah he was talking about the art of conversation. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing is, is I've talked to a few people where I probably agree with maybe five percent of mm-hmm. of what their belief system is. Mm-hmm. But when you're sitting there looking somebody in the eye and talking to them, you can find commonality with anybody Absolutely. and and that's that that's what's really cool about it and now i found because uh you may not know it but i'm a total introvert but i mm-hmm. you, you you may so <laughs> are we yeah we yeah are, we um, are. I, i've had to learn to fake it in order to be yeah and that's and, and abby i don't know if you've ever faked <laughs> I it think i think, think you just you just go and do it and then yeah. you you're like okay i'm done and she yeah. goes yeah she disappears, so. but since i've started this i found that when we're when lisa and i because uh lisa's very outgoing my wife and uh I found myself being the outgoing one where I go introduce myself mm-hmm. to somebody and uh, actually strike up a conversation. Mm-hmm. We were at South Bend Brew Works uh, for the collective one night mm-hmm. and there was this couple kind of milling around um, looking for a seat and we had a couple seats by us. I said, go ahead and have a seat. And mm-hmm. uh, they were from Cleveland and they were in the Seat Book of Mormon and didn't know about the collective or anything. So mm-hmm. just sat there and talked to them for a while. And it's just, it, it, it's so relaxing just to have a conversation with somebody and find the commonality and mm-hmm. find out that the world is actually not that bad. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and especially when you're just sitting there talking to somebody. Mm-hmm. It's funny you talk about the, um, about the internet. I, I got to a point as far as music was concerned that... I just, there was too much of it because obviously I grew up without it. And the neat thing for me was I think from 78 to about 80 or 81, WSND out of Notre Dame, I think they went from 8 to midnight. They would play the new wave music and the punk music. I'm making quotation marks. Um, um, they would play that, and that was the only way I was going to hear it because I'm in Lakeville, Indiana, and it's just it's just not East Coast and West Coast. It just never got there, and so I got exposed to Blondie and Talking Heads and Ramones and just 
just all the the tubes and all those all those great new wave bands and then i would go to school at laville where it was pretty much you know it was either bob seeger or sticks uh or, or maybe cheap trick uh was the kind of fringe band there and i would be talking about the ramones and stuff like that and they'd look at me like i was alien <laughs> but uh which can be cool but yeah 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 and it worked out for me, but uh, but the barrage of stuff on the internet was like I just can't I can't filter it. So I stopped, and I went through a period of time where I was listening to like the Who, the Blasters, Dave Alvin solo stuff, and John Hyatt. That was all I was listening right. to. And then I finally um, I had XM radio for a while, and I ended up getting rid of it because the way they digitized the sound is so. Um, harsh that it was like making my ears bleed but I heard this band called Sons of Bill and they've played at uh, Ignition a couple times and I absolutely fell in love with them and I ended up uh, my daughter lives in the D.C. area but she's about two hours from Richmond so I ended up seeing them live in Richmond when we were visiting her one time and then they played Ignition a few months later and then they were touring for the new album so we saw them in Chicago on a Saturday night and we saw them in, uh, at Ignition on a Sunday night and Ignition's still a better venue <laughs> because the acoustics are just perfect. It's just such yeah. a cool venue. I, I've venue. Heard, we have not gotten over there yet, unfortunately, yeah. but yeah. I've got some friends. I'll uh, put a word in for you. Yeah, yeah, that is <laughs> yeah we, we've got probably five or six people who are putting a word in for us. Yeah. So you think one of them ought to stick at some yeah. point. Yeah, yeah. yeah we'd love to, love yeah, to play we, there. We've heard great things. Yeah, it's, it's a fantastic venue. But I fell in love with them, and I said, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to watch what they listen to, mm-hmm. and I'm going to build my own little tree of music. So they got me into, like, Jason Isbell and just a bunch of other bands. And uh, so I just, then I watched who they like and i'm letting it come in slowly mm-hmm. but then i started doing the podcast and i started looking at all the local bands and i'm like okay michiana has an enormous amount of talent mm-hmm. and so now i'm kind of bringing things back into i'm just looking for local bands <laughs> so so and, and that's why you guys are sitting here we grabbed three local local artists uh cds um well i guess one of them's out of chicago we just played a show with them uh, up in uh over at uh, the Brick in South uh-huh. Bend, um, band called Sedgwick out of. Uh, oh, I've heard of them. Yeah, they're yeah. great. They're good friends with uh, Francis Luke Accord. Mm-hmm. Nick Gunty uh, uh, was one of the producers. I uh-huh. played some cello on it. Um, but but uh, it's a great. It's it's four song EP, and it was just the two guys. Um, what was it? Uh, I think it was Oliver and Sam. Oliver and Sam, and now they got a guy with the name of Jake that's playing with them as well, okay. who mainly plays percussion and sings, and all three of them sing really well. Yeah. And then the last song, they all switched instruments. Uh-huh. I'm talking oh, upright amazing. guitar, and, and they all played it well. Good. Right. Yeah, uh-huh. they're they're yeah. so full of talent. But uh-huh. they, they played, and then uh, and then we got uh, the Moore Brothers, their new okay. inspiration. Yeah, which, thing, we which is great. On. Yeah, we actually um, we we sang on it and um, and got to do some of the vocal arrangements on the backing vocals, and that's like. Kind of rockabilly and blues, uh-huh. and, you know, just just very, um, very uh, traditional in that style, and really uh-huh. fun and exciting. It's got a great sound, right? Um, and then um, Soul Tray, Soul Tray, yeah, which is a okay. Irish band that's that's all from out throughout this area. I used to be in the band. It was me and Sean Hoffman from the Goldmine Pickers, okay, and then Autumn Rhodes, who started out um, as, as a kid. She was in uh, Kennedy's Kitchen, okay, and, of course, and then um, she's now living in San Fran. At one time. All three of us were living in different states. Sean was Sean was up here. 
I was in Nashville and or Florida, and then Autumn was out in San Francisco. And we get together twice a year and do you know a, a, a spate of shows. Mm-hmm. And now the band's got oh I'm going to forget some of them not because I don't know them all but I'm just pressured now. But but, <laughs> but Sean's in there. Nolan Leduski who was who was in um, uh, um, Kennedy's Kitchen for a long time. Although mm-hmm. I think he's down in Texas now. Adam Carter, Eric Feitner, and um, Rick Willie. And Rick Willie. That's okay. It. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Um, and of course Adam plays with like Lalukura. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen them. Yeah. Very good. Uh, yeah, but that that's our car soundtrack right now. We yeah, just uh, I grabbed local, all three of those. Local and, bands, yeah, that we, or the regional bands. Right. And there, the, yeah, there are so many good bands that we play, that we play with local. I'm not going to yeah. start naming people because I know. Uh, we have yeah, the car because I'd, so I'd be leaving so many people out, and there's just. But but there are just tons. Um, yeah. And I, I was I was I was grabbing those CDs. I was thinking about this the other night. I'm thinking about putting together like a a playlist. Um, uh, I don't know if it would be personal or if I could get permission from anybody. Just a, a playlist of of local bands that um, that you know I've got their album and there's a particular uh-huh. track on it that I that I you know that right. is a favorite. Not to say that you know I don't like all the others. Mm-hmm. Just there, there's there's so much talent in this area. You know, you know, um, Trish is doing that. All right, she she made that's a yeah, post. that's right, that's right. Yeah, she's yeah. gonna she's gonna put that together. She I about she that. made a post that said something like, uh, she was walking by like some college housing and heard some really terrible music playing. So she wants to get <laughs> a playlist together of like actual like good local music and mm-hmm. just hand it out to these college kids for free and tell them hey like <laughs> no doubt it could be you could be yeah. a lot better yeah and, you know and we, you know we have the benefit of you know we just had the River Lights Festival which you know that um, those folks did some great stuff and then mm-hmm. and then the work that that Dina Whit- Woods did mm-hmm. for the three years before that with the uh, Sounds by South Bend mm-hmm. uh, festival we're we're big fans and good friends with Dina and actually uh, um, she hasn't performed in a while she kind of took a hiatus but I think she's going to be writing if she's not already doing that now or soon but um, but uh, um, we would get up and, and basically play behind her uh-huh. um, uh, uh, as her acoustic band and then she had Eli and Arthur from the beat and after hours as her electric band and sometimes okay. all five of us would get together so um, you know we've uh, we left the United Death, and just just what she did with that, and then and then what she did over at the over at the pool with Gus and everything was just just mm-hmm. really, um, you know, I think in a lot of ways the the start of what what began to coalesce because there was all this talent, but it, there was a disconnect between mm-hmm. this community, and it feels like it's 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 yeah. um, it's felt like that for a while, but right. it's there, and and I think Dina had a lot. Lot to do with that. Right. It's good to see that it's you know that it's continuing and right. growing in other places with I, what you're doing. Um, yeah, yeah, it's great. To see I it. think we're I think we're getting at a tipping point just based on what I'm seeing at, uh, at at Ignition Garage and some of the other places where people are willing to pay to see good mm-hmm. live music. Yeah, and this whole no cover thing doesn't doesn't have to be a thing anymore. So mm-hmm. you guys can at least. At, at least have uh, money to buy a beer after the show, right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. and so I think you know I think uh, there it's it's getting to that point where people people are willing to do that. And I know uh, a lot of people my age are willing to do it, but they want to see the old bands and right. some of them want to see cover bands and and, mm-hmm. and things like that, which is fine. But mm-hmm. man. The, the stuff that's being produced, uh, you know, I, I love you guys. I love 
Elephant Rescue, Letters from Earth. Yeah, with, yeah. Elephant you Rescue, know, we know we know all those cats really well. Yeah, and, and it's just Earth. Yeah, we talked about about them. Before yeah, the they show. are just it's just great music, and 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 I'm going to do everything I can to support that. Mm-hmm. Now, I wanted I wanted to ask. I saw that you guys are going to be performing in New York. What's mm-hmm. all that about? Well, we we've been working with um, Ralph Lampkin. He's a promoter and. He's been uh, doing promotions and also a bit of booking for us. Uh, lo- um, well, he's been local for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, fantastic guy, uh, doing a lot of work with us, doing a lot of work with um, the Hoffman Apartments, um, also with the Chocolate Cafe and getting getting uh, talent in there quite often. Well, he's been working with um, Cafe Noctambulo in New York, this, uh, this really cool um, cabaret, cabaret mm-hmm. style thing. Um, and something that's been that's been really cool is you know we when we I told you that you know we went and performed in Chicago and were were um, well really well received. We actually performed in um, uh, the Underground Wonder Bar, which is you know has been like a, a blues and jazz place for like thirty years. Mm-hmm. And when we when we got up and performed, um, the 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 owner was gracious enough to let us play at the end of her her set. Ralph mm-hmm. had set it up. So by the time we're doing that, like it was basically between we played the fifteen minutes between her set and the open jam. The open jam. And this uh-huh. was an all star open jam with some serious jazz cats. Yeah. And the response to what we were doing was really great, which is even though we weren't doing jazz. We weren't doing we were jazz, doing but but if thing. you look at the interplay with what's going on with our voices, the arrangement between our voices, the chordal structures, um, the the approach to what I'm doing on guitar, um, uh, Abby's choices of, of chords on on her ukulele, um, and then that all all just gets amped up. Vinny wasn't with us, but he but we are going to be returning there mm-hmm. on on uh, uh, June 29th. They okay. asked us back, um, and Vinny, our drummer, will be with us. And he adds, besides great drums, he adds um, a third harmony. So either okay. it's three part, or he and I are doing something uh-huh. while Abby's doing the lead, right. or they're cool. doing something together. Occasionally, yeah. he'll sing something. So it was just cool to see that that you know. Um, what we were doing was was so well received by mm. by. I mean, we got a standing ovation on the third song. It was <laughs> nice. It was like wow. Yeah. And then uh, and then got off and everybody wanted to talk to us. And I mean, they, and then yeah. these players got up and were just amazing. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and and so to get that kind of validation um, was really nice. But but it shows that you know. At the end of the day, you know. If you're feeling it, the emotions mm-hmm. there, and. Um, you know, you you've put them in your discipline, and you know your you know your style, and you're able to work in in the mm-hmm. in the um the medium that you've that you've you you've really worked you right. know, uh, uh, really done your woodshedding in. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it cuts cuts across boundaries, you know, and I mean, tastes vary here and there, but but um, you know, but at the end of the day, I mean, if if uh, you know. There's only two kinds of music, as Rachel said, you know, good and bad. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, the good stuff, if it's got soul. Yeah. yeah. You know, well, um, and, and, and too, like, I mean, I think a lot of people who are musicians can already have a pretty wide ranging taste in you music. Have to. You have, yeah. you have, you have to. an appreciation yeah. for yeah. a lot. Uh, even if you have a specific style that you prefer to play or to write, mm-hmm. you can still usually, if you're into music, you can usually appreciate a lot of different genres because you're in it and you can understand the connections between different genres and how one one genre might influence another. Right. Or, you know, the history behind it. Mm-hmm. It's all interconnected right. when you trace it back far enough. 
I I grew up in the in believe it or not in uh, Brandon, Florida, the birthplace of American death metal. Uh-huh. And I knew a lot of those cats. They were like the older brothers of like some of my friends growing up. You mm-hmm. know, some of the, the early death metal guys. And and you know, you get past you know the growling and and all that stuff. And and you know, good death metal musicians can run circles around. Yeah. You know, as far as like technique and stuff, a lot yeah. of people so. You know, I we, still we, throw it on. Yeah, yeah. dude. I mean, I mean, some. You know, yeah. You, I like this web series I mentioned. It's a horror web series. So uh, I, you know, I, I can, I can go from listening to, you know, to Merle Haggard to listening to to metal. You know, uh, on the same. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, without a break in between, and, yeah. and and you know, that's what it comes down to. Is is. You know that emotion can be carried through in so many different ways, and that's what you come to music for. You come, you come to it to feel. To, right. Um, mm-hmm. uh, that's what you come to all art for. I mean, sometimes the feeling is escape and letting go, and that's mm-hmm. why you know I can also enjoy a, you know a, a, you know a pop tune. I mean, the new you know new Timberlake song is mm-hmm. yeah. quite nice. You yeah. know, yeah. Uh, it, it, but but uh, um, you know, to say that Timberlake doesn't doesn't do some you know I mean he's he's a great right you know performer and i mean you know but but he can get you to dance too you know oh, yeah. so yeah um but but uh uh it, it's just at the end of the day you're you're there you're there to listen to it or you at the end of the day you want to feel yeah something and, exactly and if right. you're if you're conveying that right as an artist that's right. what you should be right aiming for and there's yeah. no better feeling than seeing it live yes so yeah. support and your support your local musicians when yes. they're playing go see them and going back to chicago too like i mean i think yeah i we, think i got a topic somewhere yes so. well, i was gonna say well we were talking about new york mm-hmm. but i right. think when we played in chicago and we got that validation of um seeing that not only can we be successful in our own little community mm-hmm. but we can get that same response or even in some ways a better response when we branch out a little bit to different right. areas that gave me a lot of confidence for for going to new york oh yeah going forward yeah. for the mm-hmm. show on the 29th that's that's kind of what it i was made me feel right. really really good <laughs> yeah because i i mean our I, you know our music it's got a nice it's got a nice you know kind of soothing sound it's melodic stuff but it's not necessarily the first thing you think of for a cabaret mm-hmm. right but ralph has been pretty spot on with all the places that he's gotten us, mm-hmm. um, it's worked well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. so he's his got instincts just a great, are strong. Yeah, great instincts, great ear. Um, he's he's a writer and, and musician uh, himself. Geez. You know, he's done a lot of a lot of stuff in like, uh, particularly jazz and Broadway. Mm-hmm. And with us, he's branching out. He hasn't really worked with a lot of like rock and pop bands, mm-hmm. um, and he's and he's wanting to do that. And then with uh, some of the solo stuff I do, which is more blues and and um, like early country, you know, uh-huh. rootsy type stuff. Um, but, uh, but he, you know, he loves it and he's, he's enjoying, you know, branching out cool. and, uh, uh, yeah. So we're, we're enjoying working with him and mm-hmm. it's yeah. good. He's, he's, uh, brought a lot of opportunities our way. We're super grateful. That's yep. great. Yeah. Well, I hate to pump you up too much, but I, I, I do want to say that when you did your, uh, tiny desk submission mm-hmm. that, that went out there, I was obsessed with it for about a month. Oh, cool. Every day. Oh, thank you. Well, that that song will definitely be going on when we record I, the album. I I, I we'll be doing an I clicked to play. That, so. I was I, I was like, oh, oh this is awesome. this is just beautiful. I I I listened to it. I think every morning before I went to work, and oh, and then maybe some death metal on the way to work. Okay. But. Right. 
<laughs> Turning in the time. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. I love yeah. hearing stuff like that. That's yeah. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you guys sitting down to talk to me. Uh, do you have time to do a song? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, we're going to cut away, and then we're going to set the recorder back up, and uh, Kevin and Abby are going to do a song. So stay tuned, folks. Okay, folks, we are listening to the Ember Jar, Abby and Kevin, and they are doing a song called To You. So take it away, guys.
so much for being on the podcast. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thank you for having us. You can't get much for five bucks these days. Unless you go to Wendy's for a $5 biggie bag. Get your choice of double stack, junior bacon cheeseburger, or crispy chicken BLT. Plus four-piece nugs, fries, and a drink. All for just five bucks. That was smooth, wasn't it? That's how you're going to feel when you get that biggie bag at Wendy's. U.S. price of participation may vary. Includes four-piece nuggets, small soft drink, and small fry. Prices may be higher in Alaska and Hawaii.